Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys today. Uh, what a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. I want to just say something. Worship was amazing. I was so deeply touched uh, during worship today. So thank you, worship team, uh, for your faithfulness today. We have been in a series on the book of 1 John, and we are going to continue that series today. This will be the fourth week, and uh, we plan to conclude the series next Sunday. Um, I want to share a story with you. This is sort of uh, very recent and fresh in my life. In October, October 5th, my wife and I celebrate 25 years of marriage. Very, very exciting time. And uh, uh, thank you for the applause. I, was, I, I appreciate it. I wasn't expecting it or even soliciting it. But uh, uh, we celebrate. Let's try this again. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, we celebrate 25 years, and I've just sort of been thinking, what are, what are some things I can do for my wife to just make this a memorable, special celebration? Uh, so we have a trip planned. We have actually a, a free, somewhat free trip that we've earned that we're going to take. We've reserved it to take it in, in the dead of winter, like January, February time frame. When it's really good to get away from Syracuse, you know? But we're not going to celebrate that in October. So I'm thinking there's still got to be something special on October 5th. So I asked her yesterday, would you like a ring? Would you like a ring for, to celebrate our anniversary? Because uh, first of all, both of us, neither of us, both of us have damaged our original wedding rings. So neither of us wear them. Um, the original ones had these diamonds in them. They were rather small in nature. Some of them fell out. Mine got caught on a door, uh, a door, uh, yeah, a door closer mechanism, and almost ripped my finger off, literally. Uh, so I had to cut it, bent it so bad, and was pinching my finger. I had to cut it off. So we don't have our original wedding ring. So I'm thinking maybe a wedding ring, maybe a new ring, would be a, a great way to celebrate our anniversary. And if you're wondering, why in the world would I be asking her and, and talking about it publicly? It's because we don't like surprises. If we're going to spend money on each other, it better be exactly, exactly, exactly what that person wants, you know? So we, we don't surprise each other with special gifts uh, because what I think may be special to her, and I'm talking about when you're spending a significant amount of money, what I think may be special to her, she'll look at and in a kind way say, thank you, I love it. But really, she probably doesn't love it as much as if she picked it out. You get what I'm saying? So we try and, uh, we try and not make those surprises. So um, as I was asking her about this ring for our anniversary, I asked her, would you want one with diamonds on it? And she says, yes, I would. <laughs> and I said, Really? And it immediately brought me back to 25 plus years ago when I went to a jeweler to talk to him about one of our original rings. And as I visited that jeweler, the first thing, in fact, I knew him personally, the first thing he asked me is, what is your budget? And after I shared with him my meager budget for this ring, he went to a safe and he grabbed a small envelope and he brought that envelope out and uh, on this nice black uh, material in this ambiance of lighting, he poured the contents of that envelope out 
And I tell you, I couldn't even see what was being poured out because <laughs> my budget, my budget, my budget was so small that you needed a microscope or a magnifying glass to see these diamonds that he was pulling out. Well, ultimately, I never ended up buying the, the ring from this gentleman, and, and we ended up getting our rings elsewhere. Um, but diamonds, diamonds are very special. In, in that time, he talked to me about the four C's of diamonds, the cut, and how the cut, the type of cut that a diamond has allows for the proper light to shine through. And, and the, the next C is the color and the coloration. If there's the less color or no coloration, the more pure it is. Uh, there's cut, color, clarity. See, these women know this. Yes. They're very, very well versed on the four C's of diamonds. Clarity and, yeah, so if it's pure, there's no distortions, no uh, no, no things in there that's, it's more valuable. And then the carrot, of course, the carrot, the weight of the diamond, the four C's. And, and I was very well versed on these, these, uh, four C's of diamonds. And even to this day, I think about that as I, as I sort of cringe when my wife said she wants another ring with diamonds in it. Well, somewhere after uh, we got married and we, have, we had some wedding rings with diamonds in them, I, I thought I, I could circumvent the process because there's another, there's another type uh, of, of rock, if you will, that uh, is very, very, very much like a diamond. And most of you men probably don't know this at all. So, so I'm just going to share this with you because I thought, you know, I could get a, a, a rock that looks amazing and huge, and, and uh, it's called cubic zirconia. So I ended up buying a ring. Actually, she knew I was buying it. And it, this is not the ring, but it had a huge rock on it. And, and it, 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 it's a replica. It's not the real deal uh, of a diamond. And, but if you look at it, it has the same look and feel and and... and uh, honestly, the jeweler that day could have sold me a, a cubic zirconia, and I wouldn't have known the difference even after he educated me on the four C's. So there's, there's this replica out there, and it's, it's important, especially if we're trying to buy something special for someone we love, to understand the difference between the real and the replica. In Christianity, it's very much the same way. We, we need to have the ability to understand the difference or to discern the difference between the real, that which is real, and that which is not real, or a replica, or a fake. And so I want to talk to you today out of 1 John chapter 4, because that's what John is doing for us. Uh, John here today in chapter 4 helps us to learn to discern. He helps us to learn to discern so that we don't fall for a replica, so that we don't fall for a fake. So he wants to speak to us today about this word discerning or distinguishing. And I want to just give you a quick definition because uh, it's very important for us as, as followers of Jesus Christ to be able to discern, discern or distinguish between that which is good and that which is not good. So the word discernment is the ability to judge or distinguish between two things. 
all right? And so John is writing, if you were here several weeks ago, I described a, a, a picture of John the elder apostle. He's, he's probably in his 80s at this point when he's writing this book. He's near the end of his life, most likely the last living apostle. All the other apostles had died off. And in that day and time, there was a lot of upheaval, upheaval going on because uh, there was teachings that were arising that were, were um, dividing the body of Christ and, and causing, causing great uh, destruction to the belief system uh, of the body of Christ. And so here is, is the old man John, and he's gathering his, his people around him to tell them what it was like to walk with Jesus. What it was like to know him. What it was like to lay his head uh, on Jesus' chest. What it was like to receive teaching and see the miracles with his very eyes. Here's the man who had, had touched and tasted and, and just been a part of all that for centuries, and ev- uh, for centuries and centuries and centuries, even to this day, that we talk about the greatness that Jesus uh, exhibited while walking on the earth. This is that John. This is that John who knew the touch of the Savior. And he's trying to describe to these people, generations later, he's trying to describe to them what it is to know this love and to experience this love. And so um, I want to just start reading, and we'll just start with verse 1 of 1 John chapter 4. We'll just get right into this. It's a powerful passage on learning. This is what I'm describing it as, learning to discern, learning to discern. It says this, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's interesting that he starts this verse off and this topic off with the words, do not believe. Because in his gospel, 54 times, he used the word believe. And so he's, he's writing in the gospel, I, you need to believe, you need to believe, you need to believe. And here he says, and I believe it's the only time he says it in all his five uh, books that he's written. That's the gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. I believe it's the only time he uses these words together, do not believe. Do not believe. And that carries the idea to us that if we are believing something, there's something that we should not be believing. Now, you think about the world that you're living, you live in. If you're a student, uh, there are things that you should believe, and there are things that you should not believe. And interestingly enough, many of the things that we're taught, many of the things that we read about in books, many of the things that we see and hear in the news and on television, uh, we, we don't uh, apply any discernment to, so we automatically believe. That is a problem. That is a problem. We need to learn to discern. That's what John is telling us today. We need, we need if a teacher, and, and please forgive me when I say teachers, because I have great respect for uh, people in authority and teachers and, and for anyone who has, um, has earned Uh, earned a position of authority. I have great respect for them. But let me tell you something. Our students, our kids in schools are being taught stuff that I do not believe and I do not want them to believe. Right? 
There's things that have crept into the school systems. There's things that are being taught on, on public television or uh, on, in documentaries about Jesus. Of, you know, was he real? Was it, was, it, you know, was it a figment of someone's imagination? We cannot believe everything that we're exposed to. We cannot, our lives can't be a wide open book. You just pour into me and I'll receive it. It can't be that way. There's a lot of false stuff out there. There's a lot of destructive information out there. We need to learn to discern. So John here starts off his whole discussion with his friends. He calls them friends. Do not believe every spirit. Don't believe them. And so there's information out there. When he says spirit, uh, what he's really talking about is this. There are people that are, are teaching from a spirit or a belief system or being led by a spirit that you should not receive from. Okay? So, so he starts off this whole thing, do not believe. This topic of discernment is so key. In fact, um, God acknowledges discernment, and he, he weighs it very heavily in a positive manner. He, he talks in the Old Testament, we see or hear about the sons of I- Issachar, they knew how to discern the times, right? They were acknowledged as, as people who knew how to understand the times. Uh, in Jesus' day, when he was teaching the Pharisees and speaking to the Pharisees, he said, you know, you, you know how to tell the weather. You know how to read the weather, what it's going to be like tomorrow. But listen to me. You, you don't understand the word of God. You don't know how to understand or discern what God is saying through his word. And so discernment's a big deal to God. It was said of the Bereans after Paul taught them, the apostle Paul, it was said of them that they were of more noble character in the book of Acts. They were of more noble character because they would go back and search the scriptures to determine if what Paul, the apostle, This is the man that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. They would go back and search the scriptures to see if what Paul said and taught was true. That's amazing to me. And so so here we see, and they're referred to as more noble character. Because what they were receiving or being taught from Paul wasn't automatically ingested as full truth. They needed to go study and and, uh, decipher or determine if that was the real truth based upon the scriptures. We can learn something from the Bereans. And so so John here, again, his loving family, he's, he's probably near the end of his days, and he's wanting to pass on everything he can to this this body of believers, this community of believers. And he says to them, do not believe every spirit that that is out there. But he says this, he goes on to say, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. That word test in the Greek carries the idea of examining, scrutinizing, distinguishing, uh, or discerning if something is genuine. Test the spirits to see if they are from God. Why? 
Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. He's saying there is, there is information out there. There are teachers out there. There are people that are speaking as if they're hearing from God, but they're not hearing from God. And you need to be careful what you're hearing. You need to be careful to discern and to fully understand what is being taught. Now, when, when we say false prophets, I want to I turn that around for a minute so we understand what true prophets are, okay? True prophets are people that hear from God and speak the word of God to the audience that they're called to. It could be an individual. It could be a group of people. It could be a nation. We see this all through the scriptures. Prophets are being used to hear from God and speak the word of God to some audience. Sometimes prophets or people who prophesy hear from God, but that's a message for themselves. So it's important for them to distinguish who is this message for. And as a pastor, it's important for me to help them distinguish that because uh, a lot of times people will hear uh, a message from God because God is still alive. He's still speaking. And we're, we're a prophetic group. We, we want to hear from God. We want to share what God is saying. I, I'm all for prophecy. I, I, want, I want people to be encouraged and strengthened through what God is saying uh, to them about other people or vice versa, what God is saying to other people about them. I, I, want, I want prophetic activity to increase. I, I'm all for prophecy. However, the, John is saying that there are false prophets. So we, we need to understand what is true and what is false. And so uh, in, in line of what is true, Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. He said that all prophecy is for strengthening, for encouraging, and for comfort. So here, here's a way that you can discern. If someone comes to you and starts speaking a prophetic word to you, this is very important because people's lives have been ruined by false prophecy or wrong prophecy. All prophecy is for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. If someone says, I have a word for you or God said something to me that I want to share with you, it should fit into this, bound, into this framework, this boundary. It should strengthen you, it should encourage you, it should comfort you. If it does not, this is my advice to you, do not receive it. Thank you very much. However, I don't receive that word because you know what? You defamed me, you said something uh, uh, wrong to me, you, you, you were off the mark, um, I certainly don't feel encouraged, you don't receive it, Okay. So, so, again, we want to see prophecy increase because we believe that the gifts that Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 are for today. However, we are growing in this. So there are times that people will give a word and it may not be encouraging. And you could tell them, well, that wasn't very encouraging and I'm not going to receive that. Okay? That doesn't mean they're a horrible person. That doesn't mean they're a false prophet. Okay, but, but prophecy is a powerful gift. I've seen lives change because of prophecy. I've had my life changed because of prophecy. Years, years, years before we ever uh, stepped into the ministry, there were people calling us out in a crowd, and they would say, hey, you, God is saying this to you. And it was confirmed over and over and over again. And, and God speaks. It's so 
powerful. So we want to see the biblical framework of prophecy fulfilled here, strengthening, encouraging, and comforting. There's nothing greater than to walk away from uh, uh, an encounter with someone who had heard from God, and you're just like, yes, you feel like skipping and running and shouting because God spoke to you through someone, and it's in line with some of the things you've heard before or some things that are already in your heart, and, and you're encouraged, and you're built up, and you're like, yes. That is awesome. This happened to me last night. We were at a wedding in Pennsylvania, and, and some guy came up to me and just began to speak to me, and I just felt like breaking down, crying. It was so powerful. Um, and I was very, very encouraged by it. And I received that word. I said, yes, that is powerful. And so as a pastor, though, you need to understand, my goal is to protect you from things that are not encouraging, building you up. And there's times that people get words. And so what I want to do is I want to I dis- discern from God myself, God, is this for the entire church? Or is this person hearing from you, but maybe just for them to process for themselves? Or maybe it's for them to begin to pray. Or maybe it's for this group of people, but it's not for this time. You understand there's a lot of dynamics that go on as it relates to prophecy. So um, a couple things. I, wanna, I want to uh, invite Brother Jeff Chattel up because he had a word during worship that I wanted him to share right now as I talked about prophecy because he felt like God spoke to him a word. And um, interestingly enough, someone sent a word this morning to us by text that I'm going to read after he shares. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Um, Here's what the Lord said. He said, uh, it's time for my church to be a church of more than just potential. Potential is limitless in my body. But it is only a word if you are not obedient to move. Potential accomplishes nothing in my kingdom. That's a tough, tough one. But, (laughs) here it is. It is time to move from potential to fulfilling. Time to move from, into fulfilling your call. It is time to move from potential to be fulfillers of my word. Let let me ask you, are you walking in potential or fulfilling potential? It is time to fulfill. It is time to step into your destiny. It is time. God has fully equipped you. There is so much potential, limitless potential in each one of us. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we will walk, we will will move, we we will start being... That, that person's got lots of potential, but we will start walking into fulfilling our potential. Lord, I pray that right now, that we will be doers of your word. That we will accomplish what you have called us to do. That you have equipped us. It's, it's, all we have to do is have the obedience, the obedient heart. So, Father, I pray that you will open up doors that no man can shut. That you will fulfill what you have called us to do in us, Lord. And I pray right now that we come against any of the plans of the enemy to try to hinder this. 
any discouragement right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for encouragement over the, the body. And Lord, I pray that you will, you will encourage us to step out. The steps of a righteous man are order of the Lord. The steps, so we need to step. Father, I pray that we will step into what you've called us to do. That we will no longer sit back. Father, I call forth what you have in for each person in this place, Lord. To fulfill the destiny that they have been called to do, Lord. And I thank you and praise you this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So is that something you could receive? I think it's something you could receive, right? We have a lot of potential. Are we walking in it, right? We don't feel condemned. We don't feel beaten, beaten up by it. We feel challenged by it, right? And uh, there was a word texted to us earlier today, actually specifically to my wife, and I asked her to forward it to me. Um, this comes from Liz Smith. She comes to the second service. We told her we'd be sharing it in the first service, and she'll share it live second service. But... Um, she went through our Hearing God's Voice class, and so she's been practicing this process of journaling. And uh, she says this, I need to share with you what God has shared with me during journaling tonight. I asked him for a word of knowledge for tomorrow at church, thinking it would be a simple one, silly me, but here is what I felt him say. I am working and moving exponentially greater and greater in your midst. Expect miraculous things to start happening. Expect healings to occur. Be the catalyst. Very similar to what we just heard, right? Be the catalyst. Desire these things and they will be added unto you. Desire more of me and everything will fall into place. You are a blessed church. Press into me. I have great plans. Plans for you all to impact the community around you. But it will take each one of you. I have called you all to, different, to a different purpose. To each I give you unique giftings, desires, desperations. Now is the time to come together, support each other, reach out, give more, love more, press on for the goal to which I have called you heavenward in me, Christ Jesus. Be my hands and feet willing to go where others can't and won't, willing to befriend the different people, willing to love the unlovely. Come unto me, all you who are weary and oppressed, for it is I who will give you what you need to press on. Be at rest, restoration, come to me. Lift your eyes up, my precious ones. Then she continues with her journal. Then I asked him if this is for a healing word of knowledge, and I felt him say cartilage in the knee. The knee was damaged in an accident. So I don't know if there's anyone here who has a damaged knee. I am one of them, by the way. Uh, and so there, this is what she said. I'm just going to share her personal side. So there it is, my huge leap of faith. Let me know what you think. If you believe this is to be God, journaling is amazing. Pretty cool, huh? Amen. So for those who have uh, cartilage in the knee problems, I'm going to pray for myself and those, anyone else. But Father, we just received that, Father, as for us today, God, a word of knowledge for healing in the knee, God. And we thank you that you are our healer. Uh, we thank you that you've made a way for us to be whole, and we receive it now. So, Father, let your spirit come and move in a powerful way in Jesus' name. Amen. So prophecy is, is very encouraging. But, but what we see here is, is the Apostle John saying that false prophets have risen up. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why? Because many false prophets prophets have gone 
into the world. So why do we need to discern between truth and error? Let me just share with you a few biblical principles uh, throughout the scriptures because from beginning to end, the scriptures are full with these warnings about false prophets. False prophets who are those who claim to hear from God, and yet they're not hearing from God. They're, they're speaking for their own agenda. It's not in line with God's word. It's not in, it's not in line with God's spirit's leading. And, and, and so it, they, these false prophecies or teachings will lead people astray. So here's some things that the Bible says about false uh, prophets. It says um, that they preach another gospel and a different Jesus from the one revealed in Scripture. They speak, here's from Jeremiah, they speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. This is from Isaiah. They, they dismiss guilt and justify sin, calling evil good and good evil. Uh, this is from Second Peter. They secretly bring in destructive heresies or teachings. Second Peter also says this, they're uh, untaught and unstable people follow their example and twist scripture for their own purposes. So we see that, that false prophets, we need to be strong enough to discern what is truth and what is error. Here, the, the father, the apostle John, the old man is saying, listen, you will all be led astray if you're not careful to discern the truth of what is out there. You need to hear that today. We are all susceptible to be led astray if we don't know what the truth is. Okay? We need to be careful. Okay? We don't need to live in fear. We don't need to be uh, overly concerned where we can't sleep at night. We need to know God's word and his, his methodology for us to not uh, be led astray by false teachings, by bad teachings. Okay? And wonderfully, John provides the answer right here in these passages. Are you ready for it? All right. So, th so that's verse 1. False prophets have gone out into the world. Um, I will tell you just as a background to why John is writing this. John is writing to a community that he not only dearly loved, which I've said, but also who had been shaken by some people who were once among them and then left from them. You could read this in Chapter 2, chapter 2 or 3, I think it might be 3. You, so they were once among them. They had fellowship with them. Uh, they, were, they were a part of them. And then they left them and began teaching some things that were not in line with what John the Apostle had taught. And so this, this community was shaken because these people that left are saying, what we're teaching is right and what they're teaching is wrong. And these people were unable to adequately discern, well, what is right? What do I believe? What is it that I should, I should follow? Who is it that I should follow? And so, so John's very concerned uh, about this. Um, and, and here's what their teaching was. They were called Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S. Here's, here's what they were teaching. They were teaching, and there was a belief in that day, that all matter or material was evil. And because all matter or material was evil, everything you could touch, feel, see is evil. It can't be good. And because all matter is evil, Jesus could have never come in the flesh as God. Because matter, flesh, is evil. Jesus could not have come in the flesh 
as God. This is the teaching that was being uh, perpetuated to these people. It was causing a great uproar. And um, so they, they believed that Jesus never came in the flesh. Now, today, we don't struggle with that teaching. We're, we're not challenged with Jesus coming in the flesh. We're more challenged with Jesus being God. Many people believe Jesus was a good man. He came in the flesh. Uh, he walked this earth. Many people struggle with the idea that he was God before he was born. Okay? So, so there's occults out there. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, that have these, these subtle differences in teachings that if you're not careful, you'll get sucked into them. And they teach exactly or along the lines of some of what these Gnostics believed in that day. And you need to hear the voice of John to say, Dear friends, do not believe everything you hear. Do not believe everything you hear, but test it. Well, now the question is, how in the world do we test the spirits? Well, he answers that question. He, he answers that question. But, uh, and we're going to get into that in verse 2 in just a moment. But there's a lot of other teachings besides the cultist, cultish teachings of our day. There are teachings that just, uh, if you just look at the culture that we live in, uh, Nike's, Nike's statement, just do it. Well, that's, that's, a, a, that's a belief system, whether you want to admit it or not, that many people have adopted. If it, if it satisfies me, if it gives me pleasure, if it entertains me, I am going to do it, right? You may not have been taught this in school, but watch people's lives. There's, there's, a, there's a teaching there that we need to be aware of. There's, a, there's another belief system out there. Just be good enough. You know, you can be a good neighbor. You can save the whales. You can protect the environment. And, and you'll be good enough to get to heaven because you're a good person. Right? Just be good enough. Save the baby seals. Right? You're, you're a good person. You're good enough to get in to heaven. There's a lot of people you'll run into that believe that. Or, or another one, just be true to you. Where morality is personal. Listen to me. What I believe, you know what? I believe it. You don't have to believe it, but my morality doesn't have to line up with your morality or your beliefs. Morality is personal. Uh, you know, truth doesn't have to be absolute. What's true for me doesn't have to be true, to you, true for you. And so I make decisions uh, based upon what's true for me. I'm true to myself. This is, what, this is my truth, right? And so these teachings are arising in our culture and have been lived out for many, many years that people, uh, they, they go along with, they believe. And John's saying, don't believe everything you hear. That's not what we taught you, and you can't live that way. Theology really does matter. This is what Jesus said about the false teachers. He said this, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So everything on the surface looks good. Everything seems right. Everything seems okay. They're appealing. They're charismatic. They're kind, they're loving, their message seems cool, and it's something that I would love to adopt in my life. But inwardly, there's something a lot bigger and greater 
that you can't see, you can't discern going on. So, so how do we test the spirits? In verse 2, this is what it says. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Again, test the spirits. Is it from God or is it from man? This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. So here's litmus test number one. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So, so litmus test number one is this. And I'll just go over verse two, the first few words of it. Uh, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. So if you're someone who acknowledges or confesses, the, uh, the New American Standard uses the word confesses. If you confess Jesus Christ, for most of you, you know that Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? It carries the meaning of who he was. So the word Christ means anointed one, Messiah, Savior. He was the one prophesied thousands of years before his actual coming. And so do you acknowledge or confess that Jesus is that person? Do you acknowledge or confess that Jesus is the Messiah? He is the Savior of the world. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Okay, so, so the first test is that every spirit that, or every person that acknowledges that Jesus is the Savior of the world is from God. It doesn't stop there, though, because it says this. So, so really, before I move on, so really, um, he's saying that you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is 100% God. He's the, he, he is God incarnate, the Messiah, the Savior, prophesied in the Psalms and, you know, in the Old Testament books of the Bible, that he came as 100% God. Verse 2 continues and says this, that Jesus Christ, uh, well, I'm trying, having trouble finding, has come in the flesh is from God. So not only is 100% God, but he's 100% man. He came in the flesh. God, God clothed himself with flesh. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. I don't know if we're going to be able to put that up there. But Hebrews 2, 17 says this. I can flip there too. Well, let me read it. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Fully human in every way, right? He had to come as a representative of who we are. And so we believe that Jesus Christ came as fully God and fully man. So the litmus test is this. How do we test the spirits? We confirm or believe or confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is fully God, fully man. He was God before coming to earth, and he came as in the flesh, fully man. That may not be hard for you to believe, right? But the word, the word used there, acknowledge or confess, 
is a lot more than just say a few words out of your mouth. Because the Bible says that even, even the demons confess or believe. It says here in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus is in the synagogue very early on in his ministry. He had just had an encounter with, with Satan who was trying to tempt him. Um, and now he's in a, in a synagogue teaching and he's confronted by a person or a person with an evil spirit. And this is what the person with the evil spirit said. Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You see, even demons confess who Jesus is. So it has to be more than just simple words because if they confess, they would ultimately believe, right? Right? It would have changed them. So our confession, our acknowledgement, real confession is communicating uh, verbally a change that has happened inwardly. See, I, I speak it with my mouth, but I believe it in my heart, and it has changed my life. That's what, that's what this word acknowledges or confesses means. Like, uh, and John is writing to these people that this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not acknowledge this is not from God. And he's saying that even, even the slightest teaching away from these truths comes from the spirit of the Antichrist. Because the enemy is so subtle. He doesn't have to get you to change 180 degrees in your belief. He's just got to get you a little off course. And it'll change forever where you end up. Right? And he's so subtle. When, look at what he, what, what he said when he spoke to Eve in the garden. It was just a subtle change of words. And she believed him. And it changed everything. Right? And so the enemy wants to just change our, our belief system a little bit. Or have us acknowledge something just a little bit off. So we need to be careful. We need to learn to discern. So, so there's litmus test number one. What do we acknowledge? What do we confess? What, we what do we truly believe in our heart of hearts? The second thing, if we skip down to verse 4, it says this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Who is the them? The them is the false teachers, the false prophets. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Who is the one in the world? These spirits that are leading these false prophets. Who is the one in us? The true spirit, the Holy Spirit is alive and well in us. So when we become born again, the spirit of God comes and lives in us. I'll share very quickly just a couple verses that confirm that. I won't have them on the screen. Ephesians 1.13 says this. You could jot it down. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. We, when we believe, we're marked by his spirit. How are we marked? He comes and resides in us. The Bible says we are the temple of the living God. So how does this help us discern? The Spirit is in us, and he's here to teach us all things, to remind us of what Jesus Christ taught. 
He bears witness with things or he removes our peace from things that we shouldn't follow. We need to, we need to tap into what he's saying to us. Do you know, do you, let me just ask a question. Do you know the peace of God and when the peace of God is absent? You should. Because the peace, when you're making decisions, when you're in the midst of hearing something that you should weigh, whether you believe it or not, uh, if the peace is there and you know God speaks to you that way and confirms things through, to you through his peace, that is huge. So, so the litmus test number two is his spirit lives in us and he leads us. If we're willing to follow his leading, it changes everything. We don't have to be susceptible to these false teachings, the leadings of false prophets, right? The second verse I wanted to share with you very quickly, Galatians 4, 6. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. You hear that? God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. That spirit is sent into our hearts. And it bears witness to this relationship that God desires to have between us and him. That's powerful, isn't it? And so, so litmus test number two, very quickly, is that the spirit lives in you. And that spirit is greater than the one who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Here's the final one. And you'll see in these verses four through six, great contrast. John is a black and white guy. He talks about light versus darkness, truth versus error. There is no gray area with John. Uh, uh, Sons of God and not sons of God. He's very clear in what he's saying. Here's the last one as I close. It says in verse uh, five, I'll just read that. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. Who is that we? That is John and his uh, posse of apostles. We are from God because these apostles represented the word of God in that day. There was no written Bibles to walk around with where we have five or ten in our home sitting on shelves collecting dust. Right? We didn't have access to smartphones and and version back in that day. So the word of the apostles was the word of God. It was the word spoken in authority and by authority through the Holy Spirit, through these men who were led by God to write down what the Spirit was speaking, which we now call the word of God. And so they were speaking. What they were saying is this, litmus test number three. It says, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. In essence, now we can interpret that as saying, Whoever knows God knows his word or is led by his word and his spirit. Okay? Because the spirit inspired the word of God. And so this leads me to this one statement. The spirit of God uses the word of God to reveal and teach the truth that is from him. We need to learn to discern. It concerns me greatly that people will receive everything that is taught out there. It will lead you astray. It's a dangerous time that we live in. It's time for us to tap into the reality of the Holy Spirit, to know his voice, and to know his word. If you are not diligent in growing in the word of God, now is the time. We can help you in many, many ways. Um, you know, if you want to talk personally, 
If you want to just talk to a friend, it's no time to receive every teaching out there. It's, it's destructive. It's disruptive to what God wants to do in your life. And plus, I mean, you, there's only so much you can learn. Why not learn what is true versus what is in error? Amen? Let me pray for you. Would you stay to your feet? If you're here today and you have never truly given Jesus Christ your life, today is your day. We will have people up here that would love to pray with you. Why not start off with a fresh start? Begin your relationship with God. Have your sins and your guilt and your shame wiped away. And today could be the best day of your life. Amen? For those of us who are in the faith, who, who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the three things that John writes that we can know how to discern is this. Is Jesus Christ really the Messiah? Do I believe that? Is in my heart of hearts, do I really believe that he was God, he was sent from God, and he came fully in the flesh to take my place? He went to the cross, he died, he rose again, and now he's in heaven to offer forgiveness of sins for my life. Amen? That's number one. Number two, the Spirit of God lives in us. He will lead us. He will teach us. He will help us know what is true versus what is error. And number three, the Word of God has been provided for us to help us discern and learn to discern the difference between right and wrong, good and evil, good and evil truth and error. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, today we give you praise, God. Lord, let us be people that are growing in discernment. Let us be people that are understanding the difference between right and wrong. Let us be uh, the kind of people that know you and pursue you. Father, I pray that you draw each and every one of us closer and closer and closer to you. We give you all the praise. We love you. I bless your people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless